Good morning, everybody, on this beautiful Monday morning, coming to you live from the traditional territory of Kwanlin Dun First Nation to Unquichun Council. Good morning, Yak Esutat. So, to everyone listening who is uh, on the ground here in the Yukon, uh, listening to us live on Shone. Uh, of course, there are al- also many others who are listening uh, online. And uh, we welcome you to the second episode of Coffee with Kluwani. Uh, I am joining you this morning, and, and we're doing kind of a, a neat thing where, um, you know, the whole intention of this is for us to have a conversation and, and to make connections. And so I am um, using my new mug, uh, and it's quite beautiful. I'll do a post a bit later. It's got citrus on it. I love a nice water with lemon, especially in the morning. Um, and so uh, if you could uh, and would like to, to share the mug that you're using today, you can use the hashtag ha- coffee with Kluwani. Uh, so this morning uh, we are going to uh, to dive right in after our first song, and I really want to acknowledge uh, that, uh, of course, uh, this month is Indigenous History Month, and it is also Pride Month. And so want to hold my hands up to uh, our LGBTQ2IIA. 2S Plus community. Uh, We are with you uh, both uh, together apart uh, and in person and hashtag Yukon Pride has a number of fantastic events taking place uh, in the territory and of course uh, events taking place across the country. Uh, Now it is so important to acknowledge where we're at and uh, the focus of this show uh, is of course going to be uh, acknowledging uh, and honoring the the children who were discovered uh, at the Kamloops Residential School and the thousands who are still yet to be found and brought home. And uh, we have seen over the last week um, thousands wearing orange uh, at memorial walks and uh, lighting sacred fires and doing prayers and songs. And so it is a hard time uh, that we're in, and, and today is really going to be about how do we continue to honor and acknowledge where we've come from to help us look at what the path looks like moving forward, and what does that, what does that path look like? And so today, uh, we have a number of incredible people joining us. Uh, we have Joanne Henry, who is the Executive Director of CARES, um, Wilford Johnston, who's a mentor with Youth at Lead, Amy Charlie, uh, an emerging leader who started an incredible youth organization, um, and uh, our sister Cindy Blackstock, of course, um, uh, advocate and, and, and activist who's going to be joining us later on. But I do want to acknowledge that some of the discussions today that will be taking place will reference, uh, of course, uh, things that are hard, parts of our history that we need to talk about. And so if any of you require support, know that you can call the um, IRSSS uh, number at 1-844-533-3030. There's the Yukon Distress and Support Line, 1-800-563-0808, and Kiyoshi's Place, 668-5733. Now, I know that CARES also um, has done incredible work and continues to do incredible work. And so and we'll, we'll turn it over to Joanne uh, when we get to, to that part of our show. And, and she'll also have some reflections to share uh, on where people can go for that support if they need it. Um, so I think with that, we'll move into our first song. Um, and I wanted to, to start us off uh, in a good way this morning. You know, we're here in the 
the Yukon. It's sunny. It's warm. Um, it's feeling good. We're coming out of and, and moving into what continues to feel really heavy. Uh, and so this is Tia Wood. Uh, this is a Cree hand drum solo and uh, a really beautiful way to start us off. Such a great uh, and beautiful song. And for those of you who are listening, um, Tia is on Spotify if you want to download any of, uh, of those, uh, those beautiful uh, songs that, uh, that she sings with her hand drum. And I, um, again, grateful to all of you who are joining us. Um, you know, again, it's Indigenous History Month, but as we all know, um, you know, we're, we're in a heavy time. And this is about having a conversation about where we're at, where we've come from, and where we need to go. And so I'm really honored to have Joanne Henry with us, who is the Executive Director of the Committee on Abuse in Residential Schools, now um, CARES, uh, otherwise known, has continued to do incredibly important work with survivors. And I really want to welcome you, um, Joanne, and thank you for your time. Um, and, and starting us off today, I mean, you know, looking to you um, to share your reflections on, on what needs to happen and where do we need to go. 
first of all, I want to talk about my beautiful coffee cup today. It's uh, original. It's uh, <laughs> brown. And I think everybody carries one first thing in the morning. <laughs> it comes from that place just down the road, you know, called Tim Hortons. <laughs> <laughs> Had to get that in there, get everyone chuckling a little bit. Um, wow, what do I say about all this? It's been a long time coming. It's been talked about over and over and over again. Um, you know, it was kind of interesting because before this started, I know everything, um, everything kind of snowballed after the TRC events, after everything that happened, uh, people were into the residential school talk. They were, you know, the whole nine yards, things kind of quietened down. And what I started hearing from people was we need to just move on past this residential school stuff. We don't want to hear about residential school anymore. It got a little bit discouraging because it almost felt like um, we were infringing on people by talking about this, by saying, this happened to us. This is our history. It's an ugly history, but this is part of our history. We cannot forget residential schools. We cannot forget that that is what we went through. I hear so many people talking about family and uh, where family is at and, you know, just the different stories. A lot of what we face today and a lot of what we're going through and a lot of what we run into has to do with residential school. I've been working in residential school for... I'm thinking 14 or 15 years, something like that. Someone told me 17, but I don't, I don't even know how many years I've been doing this. All I know is it's not going to go away until everything is taken care of. Um, we are not going to be able to move on until we start looking at this stuff and really talking about it and really coming to terms with what happened. I know this month is supposed to be a real nice month for all of us. Unfortunately, this is our history, and this is what's come out in the last week. Um, people talked about it. We've talked about it at the TRC. We've talked about it everywhere, and now it's reality. So we have to deal with that. We have to work with that. We have to talk about that. We can't just say, well, it's all over. Move on now. Maybe those of us who don't want to go there anymore, yeah, we need to move on. But the thing is, this is our history. We cannot put it on the shelf and say, well, we, we looked at it, we dealt with it, put it away now, we don't need to go there anymore. Residential schools caused us to suffer. They caused our children to suffer. They caused our families to suffer. They caused our communities to suffer. And as much as we want it to go away, I don't think it will until those things are looked at. So that's what I do. <laughs> I, uh, that's what I work with. Um, I don't even know what your question was now. I, that's what this is about, is about a conversation. And I so appreciate, um, Joanne, all the work that you continue to do. And I want to acknowledge the survivors, those who are listening. I want to acknowledge you. Um, you know, it's, you're right. This is, the impacts have 
devastated peoples and communities. And for the survivors, and what I heard you say so clearly is we've talked a lot about this, but what is happening? What is happening to make sure that survivors are supported and that, you know, we're able to move forward? And I think that I love what you had shared. It's it's not about, you know, moving on. it's about moving forward and so what what does that look like what does that what does that mean um you know we recently heard here in the yukon i'm you know premier silver um committing to yukon government working with uh directly with um communities to ensure that children are being brought home what are some actions that yet you think need to happen in the immediate like if we could say this month we're going to do these three things and it's going to happen and we're going to do it together. What could that look like? You know, I really appreciate people wanting to move on. I do. I really, really do. But you know, sometimes I think people want to move on a little too quickly. This come up a week ago. As a residential school survivor, as the executive director of CARES, honestly, I'm trying to get through what was discovered in Kamloops, knowing that that can be discovered here in the Yukon, where we are as well. There were residential schools in the Yukon. There's going to be one torn down on the 21st of this month. I went to that residential school. I know some stories from that residential school. I know of how things went in that residential school. So for me as a survivor and for me as the individual who works at CARES, um, we need to let the residential school survivors come to terms with what has happened. That's where I'm at right now. I'm, I'm, I know this is an important month and I know things, you know, need to happen, but I also know that we as survivors need some time as well. Um, And that's not discrediting what you're saying at all. But I'm res school. I'm, I'm someone who went there. And I'm trying to come to terms with what we discovered, what was discovered in in Kamloops, and knowing that that's going to be discovered in other places as well. This isn't just one location. We might even have the same thing here. So to ask me what I think about moving on, um, yeah, we, we do have to do it. Uh, I'm just not quite there yet. I need for survivors to be okay. Um, and that's, that's what I'm all about. Um, I, I know where I'm at. I'm a very strong person. I have worked very hard to get myself to where I am today to feel good, to do good, and to ensure my family is good. And I know how long it took me to get there. So what I'm really talking about is healing for our people, uh, coming to terms with what happened, and giving people time. I know younger generation, it's all about moving forward, getting over this stuff. I shouldn't say getting over this stuff, but moving forward doing something, having action. But it has to be remembered 
We've carried this stuff for years. I'm going to be 60. I went to residential school when I was five. I went into the place when I was six, and I spent six years there. Six years of trauma, six years of abuses, all the abuses that are listed, six years of trying to take care of me. And starting that process when I was just a little girl and should not have had to do that. So I can't say I'm speaking on behalf of all the survivors, but I am speaking on behalf of myself and I know where I'm at right now. So it's a little hard to answer that question. Um, there's so much, so much. Uh, yeah, there's just so much with this. Thank you. I think the the biggest step for for all of us listening is is just that to listen. Yeah. Now is the time to listen. Um. And I I hear you. I I think about my grandma who also went to to lower post and there's something that she'd always say to me. She'd say, "Just stop thinking about it, Kluani. Just do it." And so it's that balance of how do we take action but how are we also mindful of the people who need to be directing that action and and this is what you've so clearly I think shared with us is this is about letting the healing happen this is about it being on the terms of the survivors and and this is about walking really gently right now mm-hmm. and so you know for all of us who are perhaps intergenerationally impacted um, who are all feeling it um, in different ways. Um, this is a moment, as you've so clearly shared with us, that, that sometimes we do need to take a pause so that we're able to, and not moving past, but being able to move in a way that is respectful. Um, and, you know, I think that's where, Joanne, for, for those of us who are intergenerationally impacted, um, or those young ones who don't understand, or the kids, how do you explain to children? And I saw a post over the weekend that said, well, if some things like this happen to children, then children need to be able to understand. So for those who might be trying to understand or trying to talk to their kids, um, what, what might be some reflections you'd share about having those conversations? Um. <laughs> I'm not sure, you know, because I've talked to my own children about residential school. I've got two boys. I've talked to my oldest son about it um, and have said, you know, I've got my tapes. I've got my story. I've told my story. I got it recorded for you guys. And if you want to listen to it, um, it's there. And he just said flat out, no, I don't want to hear it, mom, because I might get mad. Uh, my youngest boy, he's like, well, you know, mother, yeah, one day I'll listen to it and, and I'll hear your story. That's just in my family. So what I do, and I can only talk about how I do it in my family, is I leave it open to my boys uh, if they want to know about it. Their dad and I both went to residential school. Our parents went to residential school. Um, there's eight people in my family, including my mom and dad, six kids. 
out of eight, six of us went to residential school. So I'm also a survivor of residential school and intergenerational. So I got both sides of it, I guess, and, and see, see where things are at. And, uh, you know, honestly, I don't even really know what to think right now. I have worked in this field for a long, long time. And I have talked about residential school. I have done presentations about residential school. I've gone to meetings about residential school. I have always been very strong when it comes to talking about residential school. But this one, this one has done something inside. It really has. I, um, I'm having a hard time. I, um, I just know what I've done and how hard my organization and my staff have worked to get this story out there. And we just continue, you know, even when things were getting a little bit shaky, we just continued. And when this come out, I know something in me went away. And I don't feel as strong as I've always felt. In time, that'll come back. But right now, it's a struggle. And if it's a struggle for me, then I'm guessing it's a struggle for a lot of people. And I don't have the answers to this one right now. I really don't. I, um, it's difficult because I'm trying on one hand to do my job. And on the other hand, I have such sadness in my heart. It's, it's very hard to do the two right now. Thank you. And I know that, you know, Joanne, um, you and all the survivors, this is, I, I, none of us can imagine, and we shouldn't, because that's not our story. And the ways in which the supports for you, for the survivors, the courage and vulnerability and strength that you have is incredible. And, and these are the moments that I hear you describe. You just, just, just pause now, give you the space and time. And for all those who are looking to have these conversations, uh, you know, in the schools, we're seeing orange shirts across the country. Mm -hmm. We're seeing social media posts. There's, you know, there's a lot that's happening right now, flags being lowered. But what I also hear you saying is, where are you going to be? The TRC report came out how many years ago, and then things took a pause. And so this is a call for us to not take that same lengthily pause, but as you described, to listen, to show up and listen and give people the time and space. And when survivors are ready to say, this is what we want to do, then here we are around you. Yeah. I'm really happy to hear in down in Kamloops, the chief there has stopped all the work on the site. Uh, and she said the same thing. It's time for us to grieve and it's time for us to heal. I didn't know any of those kids who they, they, they came across. 
I didn't know any of them. But you know what? I feel like they were my best friends because we all went through the same thing. And you know, the term residential school survivor took on a whole new meaning after they uncovered this in Kamloops. I have had residential school survivors coming and saying, now I am a survivor. I survived that. I survived that school. And when you look at it, like, because I never called myself a survivor. I always said I was a student. I went to residential school because it was a school and I was supposed to go there to learn school, not go there to survive. I was supposed to go there and I was supposed to be taught reading, writing, and arithmetic. You know, that old saying. I wasn't taught that. Other people, like my dad, he got some schooling, but a lot of it was doing work. A lot of it was um, doing work in these schools. It wasn't necessarily we went there for school. But you know, since this came out and going to Laura Post, and Laura Post was a Catholic-run residential school, you sit back and you go, yep, I am a survivor. And that's a horrible way to look at it. But you know what? It's true. Those of us who came out of there, we truly are survivors. That could have been us. I've heard people saying that. That could have been me. And that's a horrible thing to hear because we were all little kids in there. Little kids. You can imagine little kids. And what a thing to survive. And I think about those that lost their lives there and the fear and the, the families, you know, never getting notice that their child passed in residential school, never getting a letter or anything, you know, and when it comes time for the kids to come home from school and the parents go to meet the kids and their kid doesn't come off the plane or the boat, or the train, or the car, or the bus, or whatever it was. That feeling. I have my, like I said, I have my two boys. And you know, if they're, when they were little and in elementary school, and if they didn't come home right when they were supposed to come home, I would worry. So imagine these parents, and their kid doesn't come home. They don't get off what they're supposed to. I think about that with this job. That's a lot of the stuff I work with. And um, it's not an easy job. It's not an easy job at all. And I really, really need to thank my staff here because I have very good staff. They work hard. They absolutely are there when things are getting a little heavy. And I really want to send a big thank you to Vern Swan A.J. Johns, Michelle Manette, Susan Cornell, our board of directors, Joseph O'Brien, and Elder Annie Austin, because that's my team, and um, they're a very good team. So I want to just say a big thank you to those guys. So it's tough. It'll It's going to be tough for a while, um, but all we can do is get through it and we've gotten through it to this point, and I'm sure we will get through it to the next point. 
we just got to get through it together. Thank you. And I, um, again, thank you so much, Joanne, for, for joining us, for being vulnerable, having the courage to continue to show up in this way for all survivors. Uh, and the work that you and your team is doing is incredibly important. And again, on behalf of, you know, um, those who are listening, Igaya um, Juan, hold you in our hearts and when when ready we're here so with that i'm 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 gonna move us into uh, a beautiful song i'm gonna give cares his phone number oh yes okay because we have a whole list of uh well we've got these other 1-800 and all that but cares his phone number and you can call this number anytime you want you can speak to anyone who answers the phone you can come to our organization uh, we are there. We're traveling an awful lot the next couple of weeks doing support in communities. Uh, but if they want to talk, if you want to talk to anybody, 867-667-2247 is the CARES phone number. We're located by the 4th and Ogilvie four-way stop in that little mall place there. Uh, stop in, stop in and have a coffee, stop in and have a chat. Just stop in. If you need a safe place to go and sit, by all means, come to CARES. Our number again is 867-667-2247. I have a great team and um, they will be there to talk to you. Thank you. Thank you so much, Joanne. And I know from firsthand experience, I phoned and I missed and she called me right back and, and here Joanne and I got to have a chat last week and thank you again um, for, for that conversation and um, thank you again for reminding us to walk gently, to listen, uh, to learn and to, to take the lead of course from, um, from those who uh, are, are really feeling it. Yeah, and I just want to do uh, to all the survivors out there, take care of yourselves as best you can i know what it feels like i know what you're going through but just know you're not alone we got this far in our lives and we will go further so just take care of yourselves and uh talk reach out talk to somebody if you're having a hard time Mm. thank you so much joanne and sending Sending you all our our deepest thoughts right now. All right, so we're going to move into a beautiful song about all the things that we're talking about, Eighth Wonder by Diet, um, and and her uh, story and reflection uh, about, uh, of course, about all the things we're talking about, residential school, um, our young ones, and, of course, that strength and courage and hope that we need to keep, to keep in our hearts to move forward.
and held you close to the hurt. I wonder how you made it through so far away from all you knew, but you did, and you go on. Well, I didn't want to ask, too afraid to hear the truth, knowing all your What a moving morning, um, a heavy morning, an important morning, a healing morning. And I, you know, really, again, thank you to, to Joanne from CARES, who is a survivor. And, and these are the moments where, you know, it's so clear that we need to listen. Um, we need to walk gently. Uh, we need to take the time. Um, and, and I really want to um, thank, again, all those listeners um, who are with us. And, again, if you feel you need to talk to somebody, um, you can call one 533 3030 uh, And again, CARES at 667-2247. Um, I am so, um, I'm feeling it all. And, and our next guest, um, a, very, a very dear, dear friend and brother um, of, of mine. Uh, I also sometimes call him my little bro. Um, but I also super... Um, you know, have a deep respect for him. He kind of, to those of you who know Tach um, uh, know know him kind of as an old soul. He it feels sometimes, Wilfred, like I'm talking to an elder when I talk to you. And I, I'm I, I'm so happy that you're you're willing to join us. Um, a little bit about before we jump in, um, Wilfred uh, is one of the founding members of our Voices, um, and of course that uh, that work with our Voices 
all about those of us who have been intergenerationally impacted trying to bring people together to create change. And and now Wilfred is a mentor with the hashtag Youth That Lead Project uh, with Byte and AFN Yukon. And so Wilfred also was joining the hundreds um, last week in, in the Yukon. So I'm going to turn it over to you. Good morning. First of all, thank you for li- listening to me. Uh, I always need coffee. <laughs> uh, if I can introduce, introduce myself, I belong to Dakhlawedi people from Teslin, Beslin, Kwan. Um, you know, just really thankful to speak on what what it is that we're speaking about today. I'm, you know, one of the things that is so powerful um, about about the work, um, and I'm talking about the work, but really what I'm talking about here is about heart lifting. Um, you know, the language, and you know, we we think about what was taken through you know residential schools and now we're at this time where just last week you know you had people being honored and acknowledged for being fluent our elders our knowledge keepers and those who are stepping into that space and so you know what is it that from your perspective what is it that that really needs to happen right now what are some ways that as those of us who are intergenerational impacted who our parents or our grandparents um, have went to residential school what is it that 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 we can do to to support each other or to support survivors what what are some things that that people can do because I think that there's so many of us that are feeling really broken right now you bet you know I believe I know we all know that indigenous people are very good at supporting one another there's we always find ourselves having to help take care of our friends, our kin, our community, and to reach out to those who you love, to reach out to those who you know who are hurting, and to just be there for them. And even if it's just listening, and even if it's um, if there's something you want to learn, to uh, wait for the right moment to learn about what what it is that they might be going through so you you know you've been involved in in youth leadership for a long time and you know part of that you know as you mentioned connect engage take care of each other Mm -hmm. um just last week you had a chance to meet with a whole number of young people and and how what, what were those connections how did that feel in that space of of youth that lead and and working with these young people amazing Really amazing. Like, I love, um, it's been a long time since I got back involved, let's say, to work with youth again, and um, to actually meet those, the youth that I did, um, it always finds its way directly to my heart, because there's a lot of youth that really care, and really want to learn about cultures, their cultures, and they also want to give back to the community. Um, I've kind of had that 
something with that, that was a part of my life my entire life was to be able to give back to the community so I mean to meet with a collective of youth who want to be involved and want to make things happen and make uh, a change or make a s difference even if it's the slightest it, it make it ripples a long ways and so to work with those that I've been working with has been my honor my my privilege to um to meet with youth that lead I, I remember being there um you know not that long ago when the youth were gathering and you know it was again it it, it felt it felt heavy and hard and I think that's what really today looking to talk about and being reminded of, of what Joanne had said when she shared you know we we can't just move right and and those who know me <laughs> know that I'm a very I'm, I'm an action person right I'm like mm -hmm. okay what do we got to do but it is being mindful of like slow down sometimes and our elders talk about that right sometimes you got to slow down a bit now at the same time there is so much work that needs to happen right and and this is something and I'd be interested to know what your thoughts are on this Wilfred of this isn't also something that has to sit on the shoulders just of indigenous young people and survivors mm -hmm. and you and I both you know having mixed ancestry having a lot of friends who aren't indigenous like what is it that you know our our friends our allies or potential allies need to really understand here like what's their role in all this mm -hmm. we we all share this space in the Yukon we are all native to this land because native means to be of where you are born on which part of the land so we are all native to this land and we all will be sharing this space and to really be a community we need to understand what we are going through together as a community because we share that space with each other and it's been really interesting you know having found out what they did find in Kamloops just the um, the amount of support that I've had from my non-indigenous friends, um, the reach outs, and, and um, like it just became very real for a lot of for everyone, not not just the non-indigenous. Um, a lot of friends of mine have um, have done been doing research. They've been they've been looking into what residential school was and. Um, you know, they. I can. I can tell that this is also just a really a, a huge turn point into um, what it is that we've been talking about, or what uh, what it is our grandmothers and grandfathers or uncles have been talking about. It's became very real for a lot of people, and um, I think the best thing that we could do is is to actually. Um, as a community, and, and I'm, I'm speaking to everyone, is to to be able to forgive. You know, I, I was listening to Joanne earlier, and, sh and she said, you know, we're, we're not going to forget this, and I, I, I really believe that. Um, and I think the best thing that those who are non-Indigenous can do is to be polite, sensitive, understanding, to those of us who are indigenous and have a story that is yet to be told and it because and it's been told before but i just feel like now everybody's n it most people are listening now so the best thing i think everyone can do is also 
to be mindful that we are going to be feeling hurt right now. My heart hurts, but we have come we come from strong relations and you know i i felt anger i felt hurt i felt sadness all in the last few days and i shared those emotions with many people and i mean i think the best thing that some friends of mine have been able to offer me is that forgiveness those who are non-indigenous were able to forgive me for being being mad for being sad because like you know I, I i had my own expressions on things and and but i having taken the time to step back and really think about how we can deal with this as a community has given me a lot of patience now because it's not just gonna be dealt with in a matter of a short time it's yeah. gonna take some time to work with and you know to your point about you know the feelings right it is it's about acknowledging those feelings and mm-hmm. for so long people who went to residential school and their children and their children's children were taught not to feel mm-hmm. right that they couldn't feel they mm-hmm. couldn't express and so for thus those of us in a different generation um, we have a totally different lived experience but it doesn't mean we're not still impacted and that's something that I'm, I'm trying to help for all those listeners understand that even though and I want to acknowledge the survivors who are still here right they talk about the impacts that it's had on their lives and and what they learned as children that's then translated to their children and their children's children. And so here you and I are, right, as Mm -hmm. intergenerationally those who are impacted, um, talking about what we need to do. And I, you know, I I mean, one of the first things we know is the TRC calls to action, right? 94 incredibly strong recommendations on what needs to change. Um, But something else you mentioned, Wilfred, is truth. Before we can get to reconciliation, we got to know what really happened. Mm-hmm. And I, I'd be interested maybe in some of your, um, you know, kind of to, to, to bring us to um, a wrap before we move into bringing our next guest on is, you know, having those hard conversations, right? Mm-hmm. Um, what has been something that's helped guide you through having hard conversations? Well, have I got an answer for you? <laughs> Um, our culture my grandmother's people my language has helped me got through what it is that we are going through you know when when I was growing up um, I was I was raised by not just my parents. Um, I was raised by my great-grandmother and my grandmother. And what I had was very special. And I didn't realize how special that was until I grew up more. And um, and I, I hit a very young age when I realized when that I wasn't, I was among the very few that were speaking in my community. And I thought when I was growing up in my perfect little clinkin world that all my relatives, my friends of my age were, were getting what I was what I was being gifted from my great grandmother and my grandmother and, and not just them alone. There's so many elders in Teslin that I was raised with and they taught me how to live a certain way. They taught me how to respect people. They taught me how to treat elders, how to work with the young. And um, 
the things that helped me get through this is actually to keep continuing working with Hayukatangi um, and and the children. Um, the the best story I think that I have is from my great grandmother when she was in her element, and she was teaching me her great grandson how to properly fix uh, beaver meat. And when we were doing so, she was answering my questions and telling me the stories I wanted to hear and when she was telling me another thing for me to learn she'd stop cutting this beaver meat and she looked at me and she explained to me you know everything that I teach you Wilfred everything that I tell you everything that you are learning from me it does not belong to you Hmm. that belongs to everyone else and I didn't understand that until I grew up more until I was older and when I realized the message is that I'm supposed to help continue and help um, teach what it is that she had to teach me that's what I think defined me to what it is I do with my life and how I look how I look at this world and how I walk this trail with everyone else and it's just always been in my heart to actually share what it is that indigenous people and indigenous perspectives perspectives have for uh, this this life that's so powerful and I you know um, when you talk about Hakusti and and really I think um, for for the listeners you know those stories like the ways of knowing and being who we are um, and how that's passed on that equips you to walk in this world mm-hmm. and you know that's something that um, so many of us that have been fortunate to have grandparents not all of us do we have to acknowledge that absolutely um but that those that has been what we've you know what has been carried on for us and i you know um we're gonna have someone join in um on on our conversation here um because i really think she you know continues to be such an incredible and powerful force in the north her name is amy charlie i don't know if you know amy um I've definitely met her. Definitely met her. Well, if you don't know Amy, Amy is phenomenal. Um, Like you um, and I, um, incredibly passionate about working with young people. She is the founder of the Arctic Youth Development um, Agency, uh, which is an Indigenous-led nonprofit dedicated to building the next generation of Northern leaders. So as we talk about, right, taking what it is that we've learned and being able to translate it into the here and now, um, we're going to bring Amy on to be part of this conversation with us and uh, we're so so excited to have this space where we can have you know indigenous leaders and I I, I say that because and I want to hold up all of those who are in of course um, you know elected positions that is incredibly important and we acknowledge those chiefs Nashada Hennies, Danatha Ades, um, speakers of the people if you will Um, leadership is is about who you are and how you show up, right? And so when we have, um, when we see leadership in others, right, it's it's our responsibility to help cultivate that. And so this is where, you know, especially with Amy, um, I'm just so excited because Amy, you know, started this incredible organization to support Northern Indigenous youth. And, you know, this is where it's so critical that we create these spaces for all these voices to be heard. Um, And so, you know, Amy, are are you there? I want to 
she's coming on, <laughs> coming in hot, live from Liard First Nation in Watson Lake. Um, we're gonna have uh, we're gonna have Amy joining us, and uh, just before we do, um, you know. For today, if you want to call in to Shome, this, there's this Kluwani. Okay, so Wilford, this is cool. We got B North, who's hooked us up with a gift basket. Uh, hashtag Kluwani Sunrise Coffee. Uh, I know you can't get enough of coffee. You talked about that. Um, I went for a period of time, actually, where I didn't drink coffee. And wow, I'm back. Um, and so um, the Kluwani Sunrise, uh, they've given us a beautiful gift basket. So you can call in to Shone FM. And uh, say your name. Don't worry, you don't have to talk on the show. Um, but if you'd like to talk on the show, send me a message. Anyway, point is, you can call in to win your very own gift basket, which is amazing. Uh, so uh, please do that. And uh, your chance to win a sweet gift basket. Isn't that awesome? Okay. Um, we are looking to come live with our very special guest. Amy, are you there? Amy? I feel like we're Hello? playing hide and seek. Oh, there, she there she is. There she is. <laughs> She's out there. Thank you so much, Amy. How are you? I'm doing great. How are you? Oh, we're we're good. You know, it's we've had a a really good um heavy I'd say you know there's that heaviness that's there at the same time I'm I'm here in the studio and I'm looking at the water and it's glimmering and so there's something to me that you know there's this hope that I also feel um, there's a whole bunch of feelings so we've got Takla um, uh, Wake who's who's listening in uh, Wilfred Johnson in the studio and and this is our time to to talk with you and I'm so grateful that you're here with us so I gave everyone a, a bit of a 101 on um, your awesomeness and uh, <laughs> really excited to have you join us and so you know let's talk about let's talk about where we're at um, you know, how are you feeling? What are you thinking about? Um, what is it that continues to propel you into the work that you're doing? Hmm. That's a good question. Um, yeah, how I'm feeling, definitely it's been a very heavy um, past couple of weeks. Um, and it's going to get even heavier because I live in Watson Lake and my First Nation um, is the is Liliard First Nation, and we're preparing to um, take down the residential school in Lower Post on June 21st. So definitely lots of emotions. Um, and so, yeah, just kind of just trying to take care of myself, really, and just to um, support my, my family. Um, I think it's just so important during these times. So... If, if you if you could and I, I'm mindful of you know the gentleness mm -hmm. that we need to keep in the spaces that mm -hmm. we're in right now um, but but you talked a little bit about what's happening at lower post so so as I shared and as Joanne shared um, my grandmother went to lower post her name was Agnes Johnson um, mm -hmm. and Joanne went to lower post so so many Yukon First Nations people went to lower post and that work as I understand Amy has been in the works for like decades to tear that down. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and it's um, it's definitely 
you know, impacting our whole entire community. Um, my father, Stephen Charlie, he's the chief of LFN, and he went to Lower Post for five years. So, you know, it's, yeah, it's just so much. And I think a lot of people are being very overwhelmed right now, especially with the also, you know, the discovery of the 215 um, children in, in Kamloops. And, um, but it's been really nice, though, to, like, see the community come t- together during these times. Um, I think, yeah, starting yesterday, we actually had a sacred fire going um, out at um, the two-mile hall there with some uh, elders and community members, and that fire will be burning for the rest of the week. So it's just a time for people to um, sit around the, file, the fire and just, um, you know, spend time together. I, I see that happening too, Amy, as you mentioned, the, the sacred fires. There was one here in Whitehorse last week. Um, seeing them right across the country happening, people coming together mm-hmm. in prayer. Um, what, what, what would you say to the young people that are feeling, you know, feeling the heaviness, f- feeling the uneasy? Um, where do we look for hope right now? Mm. Um, I definitely tell them, um, I guess, tell them to, to feel free to share, um, you know, and to talk about the things that they're going through. You know, mental health is so important. I'm a huge advocacy for mental health in the work that I do. Um, and to just, yeah, just tell them to be mindful and um, to reach out if they need help. It's so important. And um, I just think during these times to just be gentle with yourself as well. Um, to tread softly, it's it's a lot, and I feel like sometimes you may be pressured to share, but it's okay if you, you know you don't have any words, and um, yeah, just to just to take care of yourself during these times, really. And you, you know, for the listeners, Amy and I have had a chance to have a few a few conversations about her work, and Amy, I. You know, the last time we talked, you had shared, you know, that that whole concept of self-care. Right. And mm-hmm. I've seen all these like images on like Instagram and stuff where it's like, mm-hmm. you know, getting your nails done or like things like that. That might seem kind of, you know, is is that really taking care of yourself? Um, I loved what you had talked about in terms of taking care of yourself and for those listeners, I don't know if there's some 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 steps, especially for people right now who are, you know, it's Indigenous History Month, it's Pride Month, there's all that's supposed to be really positive, then there's all that's heavy. What are some things that you do to take care of yourself? Mm, that's a good question. I love talking about uh, self-care. Um, yeah, it's definitely more than, you know, getting your nails done and whatnot. Sure, that's an aspect of it, but um, it can be so much deeper than that. And I, I started a fellowship with Indian Collective in April, um, and we go for an entire year. And when we first started, they asked us the question, what is your, like, what are your medicines in your life? And I thought that was so, um, I guess, beautiful to think of self-care in that way of, like, what are the medicines in your life? What brings you joy? Um, and just really the importance of rest when it comes to self-care. Um, and, you know, I'm I'm very um, busy and sometimes I, you know, very close to burning out and I have to be very mindful of like the the impact that I'm making in my leadership. It won't be sustainable if I'm, you know, running on empty. I really have to take care of myself um, and just to slow down at times. 
uh, and prioritize that. So whether that's going for a long walk, I feel like self-care is also, you know, going to the, you know, the dentist or going for um, just like a medical checkup, um, you know, talking to an elder in, in your community is self-care. Um, but really taking that time to sit back and think about how you can um, take care of yourself and what does that look like for you? Because it's going to look different for, for everyone. Right. And I, I, you know, thank you so much, um, Amy, for that, because it is we're all trying to do this hard, hard work, hard work, trying to take care of ourselves, dealing with intergenerational impacts. There's like everything right is is going all around and so I know for me today very personally I'm going to go put my feet in the water that's something that I do sometimes to just like let things go lay some tobacco down even just going for a walk um and I know today you know today in 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 our world Amy um is also a really big day because today there is a motion that is being put forward by the NDP um, to say we need to do more. And so that balance of listening to survivors, right, and these call to actions for apologies, these calls to action to implement the TRC, um, you know, 94 recommendations. And a lot of those have to do with young people and about healing, which is exactly what it is that we're talking about. And so we've got um, to join uh, and, um and you, we've got our, our very dear friend, uh, incredible activist, you may know Spirit Bear, um, but Cindy Blackstock, um, who's Gitsan, is an incredible leader who continues, continues to push and press for rights of kids. And as we all know and we hear from our elders, it is entirely about taking care and putting children at the front. Right? What do we need to do to ensure that the next generation, as Tachlachwek was talking about in terms of language and knowing who we are, not forgetting, never ever forgetting about what has happened to us as peoples, but it is finding this path forward. And so Cindy, as you know, Jordan's principal, right? Shout out to all of those who um, continue to do work on this file. CYFN's got a lot of great things happening, coordinating with communities, the education directorate, you name it. Young people are getting the supports they need. And it has all been because of the advocacy and continued pressure. Continued pressure. And so that takes a lot of work. And so Cindy Blackstock um, has been doing this for a long time. And um, we're going to have her join us. But is there, um, you know, Amy, I- I'm not sure if you've had a chance to, to chat with Cindy. But um, as I mentioned today, there's a huge, huge motion being put forward by the NDP. Um, the other parties are going to support it, and we're all eager to know what will the Liberal Party do. Um, what are your thoughts on on the immediate action? Yeah, I actually signed the NDP petition a couple of days ago. Um, so yeah, I'm all for it. I think I think it's so important because, like a lot of people say, we can't have reconciliation without the truth, and um, you know we need to have access to those um, files. Well, I, you know, this is a good moment um, as she gets ready to join us live. And and thank you to everyone. I want to acknowledge the team here at Shown. Um, in this COVID world, we're like getting people online. People are in person and we're making it all happen. Um, but I want to go to this song um, that's a bit of a different song. But my buddy, ja, uh, Jakota, uh, Jahulness, um, it's it's Behold a Pale Horse. And Wilfred, this song actually kind of reminded me of you. But Amy... Um, you too, in the sense that 
this is about a different generation and like the responsibilities that we have right as the next generation to keep mm -hmm. to keep pushing and pressing so that those people who really do need our, you know the survivors our knowledge keepers right um, th they need us to to stand in the front sometimes um, to continue to press and so we're gonna we're gonna skip to this song and then we're gonna be joined um, by our good friend Cindy to wrap us up for today We'll never be defeated. The only chains around my neck are medallions beaded. Our treaties are broken. These lands are unseated. They use us as tokens. We're still being mistreated. They're always selling us a dream that we don't believe in. Until we have our own government, we'll never be even. They didn't know that white paper dissolves in the rain. And all the weapons and bullets can fight a hurricane. Our mother earth is dying. Can you feel her grieving? Without all of our trees, ain't none of us breathing. I put my prayers to the sky and my tobacco down. Life is a ceremony, so let the drums sound. You better listen Stay sober, stay out of trouble, stay out of prison They want us in jail in a cycle of bad decisions They got us tripping and speaking like we straight out of Britain There's power in the language and strength and tradition Try speaking to the elders and you'll find out what is missing The only way we get better is by knowledge itself Until then, what good are we to anyone else? I took my ass from the hood and placed myself in the burbs And the best part is I did it just by playing with words But the thing is, gratitude is part of my path You get what you give trust me this is universal math my ancestors knew this and they carved it in stone and i trust one day this wisdom here will carry me home if we don't share the knowledge then how do we grow how do we know our true potential how is it so it goes survive through the court jargon you ain't my honor i honor my ancestor proper with tobacco the spirits that can't spend the commas scarbe awesome get your monitor gave us much kick it that's the anecdote mankind be over hunting the animals once they're gone try overcoming the cannibals scarbe awesome it's for all the brothers all the sisters the matriarchs the fallen victims 
Gabe, Ashama, it's for all the children, the earth keepers, the birth givers, the songs are in them. Pull your drums out and let your soul speak. I sang a song last night, this what it told me. Kill the hate and make sure your family witness it. Then you show them all the reasons we're indigenous. Right. So again, that song um, reminded me of my my pal Tachloich, um, Behold a Pale Horse. So uh, you can check them out on Spotify. Um, listeners, um, we have taken really important extra time today um, because we have had some really good conversations, um, some some heart conversations, some heavy conversations, some hope conversations. Um, and now joining us uh, live, we have, of course, our dear friend, Cindy. Hi, Cindy. We're playing a bit of hide and seek. Hmm. Um, so for those of you who have, uh, of course, uh, if you want to check out some of the work that Cindy's done, uh, she has done work, um, a lot of really great work on, um, of course, children, right? Um, and ensuring that children are supported, um, that rights are protected. And, uh, and I, I just am so always amazed by, by her work. So um, Cindy... Is uh, continues to be uh, a leader in our communities, and um, Tahla Wake and I were just you know jamming out to that song, and and really thinking about you know these conversations, you know we could sit here all day um, and talk and talk and share, and um, and this is where it is so important to have you know those voices on the ground of people like Joanne and Amy and Takla Hoyk who are who are doing this heart and heavy work um, and then we have people who are doing this heart and heavy work right across the country um, and so uh, I'm just I'm just doing a check-in here Cindy with you So she's she's coming on live. But, you know, the, the point is we've really got to get to this place where we have people on the ground. We have people who are working in community um, when we're able to to do right to do and to continue to work. Um, so what else um, what other kind of work are, are you doing in your community? Sorry, just, you can hear the dial tone. Thank you. Other kind of work. Um, I am currently the busiest I've ever been. Um, working a lot with the language and um, working with languages that I actually do not come from. Um, I've always been an advocate to work with... Uh, the neighboring nations. I'm working on my Taltan language. Um, working with the Cascadena language. Nakala. Tuala Ginta. 
um, my friends in the north, the Gwich'in, Banguinzi, um, the Toshoni I would really like to work more with. Um, there's a lot that is keeping me busy. Um, currently trying to figure out some hand games. Wait, stop. Hand games? Yeah. Tell me more. Okay. Tell me more. For our listeners, I, we're... I, sh- I should have <laughs> bit my tongue because, you know, we're, we're, we're really excited to, um, to maybe create that opportunity for us to play Naka uh, hand games. But we were just trying to figure out who are like who who can attend we're we're it's everyone knows covid is making this tough yeah everyone know and like everyone who plays hand games knows that it's tough not to come in contact when we get together for indigenous events it's just like you gotta you gotta hug them yeah yeah so but but we do but we do have to be mindful of the um you know of the protocols Mm -hmm. and and this is where Certainly, you know, when we talk about hand games, I'll be very clear. I am a great cheerer. I will get up in there. <laughs> I'm, yeah. I'm really not the strongest hand game player. But I look to you and I'm doing the signs, trying to do the signs to Wilford here um, yeah. in studio. <laughs> He's laughing at me. Um, but like, you know, so what I hear you saying is, yeah, we're going to have hand games. Mm-hmm. It's going to happen. It's going to be it's going to be COVID, of course, responsive. It's going to yeah. be it's going to be safe. Yeah. Um, but we also need to acknowledge that here in the territory, we're at a really, people have really done hard work to get us to this place. 100%. And, and you know, that's what we needed so that we can then have, right, hand games. Just um, just this weekend, there was a beautiful um, dance festival. I don't know if you checked, did you check that out, Wilfred? Any any listeners online? Uh, Dakokata. No. Um, I took a me weekend and went and visited my uh, my family in Watson Lake, my father, my nieces, my brother, okay. his beautiful family, but I heard about it. Um, I wish I could have gone, um, but yeah, I, I just, I needed to be elsewhere for this weekend, yeah. And I, you know, so those of you who are listening, you can watch that. Um, it was actually all live, the Daka, Dakunan um, Setet Festival, and I'm probably not saying that properly, and I know my dad is listening. Shout out to Gerald Dixon, um, my pops in Burwash, um, to correct me on my Dunk A uh, later. But um, I, I want to do a uh, uh, a check-in here. Um, anyone else with us playing hide-and-seek? Anyone out of have kids at home who are maybe running around? Um, we're, we're joining you in the game of hide-and-seek today. So, Cindy, we're going to do a little drum roll. She might be here. Hey, there's like high fives happening in here i know our (laughs) listeners are like cindy she's coming on thank you so much for joining us cindy how are you uh i'm doing okay i'm anxious about three o'clock though i got my head my eyes on the clock to see what parliament's going to do with this motion to stop fighting uh indigenous kids in court and stop fighting indian residential school survivors so we're going to see what happens three o'clock you know, Cindy, and, and today, just to bring you up to speed, I, I don't know if you're able to catch our whole show today, but we, we've kind of come, we've, we've come a whole circle here, kind of like all around, um, for those of you who are listening, all around the drum, um, or for people who are powwow people, all around the circle. Um, we have 
started off hearing from an incredible survivor. Um, we have talked to Tahla Wake, who's still with us, um, about you know some of the language work that's happening and, and where do we go from, from here. Um, Amy Charlie, who started an Indigenous um, youth organization and a fellowship. Um, and so we're, we're having those conversations today about, okay, where are we? We can never forget where we've come from. Um, and what needs to happen and move forward? And, and I really want to talk to you, Cindy, about the kids. Because I think what, what we all can say as Indigenous peoples, no matter where we're from, is kids are at the center. Um, so what can you tell us about today and what's happening? We talked a little bit about it, but I think our listeners are really, really eager to learn more about what they can do in the next hour and a half. Okay, so in the next hour and a half, get a hold of your member of parliament and tell them to vote yes on a motion to stop litigating against residential school survivors, to stop litigation against First Nations kids, and to implement the TRC's calls to action. Now, this all this litigation against First Nations kids all flows from a case filed in 2007. Because as we all know, the federal government since Confederation has underfunded every public service for First Nations folks on reserve and in the Yukon. And that is piled up on the hopes and dreams of generations of kids. And, you know, in the residential schools um, in 1907, Canada's own chief medical health officer, a guy named Dr. Bright, pointed out to the government of Canada that their unequal provision of health care, along with terrible health care practices, like they're putting sick kids in with the healthy kids, there's poor sanitation and everything, all of that was creating death rates of about 25%, rising to 50% if you followed the kids over three years. So he, he, he urged the Canadian government to take action. The Canadian government refused. And he let his report leak to the newspapers. And so it was covered in newspapers all over the country. And on the front page of the Evening Citizen, which is now the Ottawa Citizen, it said, Schools Aid White Plague. These schools are veritable hotbeds for disease. Bear in the total inattention to the bare necessities of health. And one of the guys reading those newspapers was a lawyer. And he said that in the Canada fails to obviate the preventable causes of death, it brings itself into unpleasant nearness with manslaughter. That is 1907. And so the Canadian government knew about the inequalities then. And they chose not to do it. And we see report after report after report, Tahani, going through the decades until now, where we see First Nations children going into foster care at higher rates than in residential schools. And what's behind that? Well, it's poverty, it's poor housing, it's substance misuse and multi-generational trauma. And it's these inequalities in, health, in child welfare funding that are driving this. The federal government was ordered by the Canadian Human Rights Tribunal in 2016 to stop its discrimination and give First Nations families a chance to grow up at the safe with their children. And the Canadian government graded out a bunch of ministers, they all welcomed it, and then they didn't do it. And so we've had 19 non-compliance orders against the Canadian government and procedural orders. And next week, the federal government is uh, taking First Nations kids to court because you can imagine between 2007 and now, how many children were taken unnecessarily from their families? How many children were denied services under Jordan's principle who were suffered real harm? And in sadly, some cases, the children died. 
and Canada doesn't want to pay them each $40,000. So it wants that whole compensation order thrown out. And then the other thing it doesn't want to do is provide Jordan's principle to non-status First Nations children who are recognized by their nation's off reserve. So Canada is putting in its legal sites next week, the number one TRC call to action and the number three TRC call to action. Wow, I there's so much. I, I'm sitting here, you know, in studio, and and you could probably feel the, the deep breaths because it's, you know, this is not this is not equitable. And and I'm I'm mindful of you know a lot of the work that has been done to advance First Nations issues and and advance equity, you know, with with the federal government. At the same time, what I'm hearing you say, Cindy, is, the fights to to continue to litigate against First Nations children need to stop. And, you know... And they need to do the right thing, Kahani. Like, they they are choosing to discriminate against our kids. Not only are they choosing to do it, they are choosing to fight to be able to continue to do it. So this is the day, um, an important day, as you heard, to contact your member of parliament. So here in the Yukon, that would be um, Larry Bagnell, um, to say, hey, you know, this, this is an important motion. And as I understand, Cindy, and um, in terms of who's supporting this motion, it's the all opposition parties, correct? That's correct. All, to my knowledge, all the opposition parties are supporting it. Uh, the Liberal Party has not said how they're going to vote. So this is the call to action. And, you know, I was reading in um, over the weekend and, you know, like so many of you had to take a pause right from the social media because it was just it felt like too much. Um, but there was a really great uh, a few really great opinion pieces, one, of course, from our um, our sister Jody, um, And she talked about transformative change mm-hmm. and, you know, apologies and commitments and policy change. All that's really important legislation. But transformative change requires a whole lot more. And maybe just as some final reflections, what does transformative change, what is required for us to have transformative change for First Nation kids in this country? Accountability. You know, that's what the government, federal government doesn't want to do. Even in the C-92, they're, uh, they are saying, oh, well, we'll give uh, a firm First Nations jurisdiction. But then when you peel back the curtain and you start to get try to get them uh, commitments about um, funding, well, then the whole thing starts to fall apart. They are about reform everywhere except within the department. They need to be accountable. They need to stop the discrimination. They need to affirm real First Nation self-determination and services. And they need to end all the inequalities across all public service by implementing the Spirit Bear Plan. That, to me, is transformation. Thank you so much, Cindy. And again, an important day um, for us to, and I saw, you know, on Twitter, on social media, there's draft letters, you can send a letter, but but most importantly, as you mentioned, a, a phone call to your local MP to, to support um, that, that critical motion, um, and for all of us to take some time um, to reflect on, on how are we putting kids at the center, you know, um, especially Indigenous kids. And you mentioned something really interesting just in closing, Cindy. Here in the Yukon, as you know, um, you know, your citizenship to your nation isn't all about status. It's a very different way of of uh, of nationhood, perhaps. So, all the work that you're doing um, so critical to what it is that Yukon is doing. Ganachish, um, thank you, um, and uh, we're so proud uh, of uh, of the work that you're doing, and and we really appreciate you. 
thank you. And thank you for all the good stuff you do up there. And I can't wait to come to visit one. So hopefully someday soon. Yeah, we can both uh, put our feet in the water. I was talking about that earlier. Sometimes you just got to put your feet in the water and and take a moment. So um, my uh, my brother, Tachlachwek, and I here are, are going to do that uh, maybe together, um, distanced with our masks on. Um, take, a t- take some time, take some moments, um, sending you all the love out there um, if you need it. Uh, and, and this is about transformation. This is about change. And this is about being guided by the survivors and our knowledge keepers as we do that. So with that, I want to say um, thank you um, to all of our listeners for, for tuning in, um, for, for taking that extra time with us this morning. I want to thank um, our brother here, Charles, um, who is is remarkable. He is just goes with the flow, makes things happen. Shown FM, for those of you who um, are getting more familiar online, uh, who may be not from the Yukon, the beat of a different drummer. Um, this is who we are in the Yukon. We make it happen. Uh, and so thank you so much. Um, and uh, we look forward to announcing later today the winner of our beautiful Kluwani Sunrise uh, coffee gift basket. And we look forward to you joining us for our next show, uh, which will be in July, um, and that will be on July the 5th. So with that, um, take good care, take good care of your heart, take good care of your mind and your body. And we will talk to you very soon. Wilfred, you want to say see you next time in, in Klinget? Anything you want to do as a final see you later? I would like us all to speak our language. Whatever language it is that you come from, help us. You know, for a quick closing mark, if I may, there's um, there's a lot of a lot of people who are working on in our languages around here. You know, we got uh, JC and Brandon Kikovicic with Gwichin, Emerald Pope, Paul Caesar with Kaskadina, Tim Hall, the talk, the children of the Taku Society in Lingit. We need your help. I think this is a turning point for us indigenous people too to um to realize that a lot of us could use the help to create our community bigger to work with Hayukatangi. Um I'll just would love to close with that. We could uh would love to hear you guys speak Hayukatangi. Don't ever be hard on yourself that you can't enunciate the words properly because I know it's very different, but um it's beautiful to uh to think differently, to think indigenously. Mm. Shout out to all those language speakers, language learners. Heart work. It's the heart work. Uh, And that was really the talk of today. Um, Where we've come from, where we're going, what feels hard and heavy, giving that space um, and finding the best path forward. So thank you again to Shona FM and to all our listeners uh, for some of this extra time, bonus time that we've had with some incredible speakers to share their reflections um, in what feels very heavy. But of course, uh, as Joanne has taught us, we always find that strength and resiliency to move forward.